Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we ask that you would teach us more of your truth, that you help us to know, experience, and share more of your love in the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Happy Mother's Day. Glad that you're with us for this day. I've been thinking about, um, this, and happy Mother's Day to mom who's watching. Um, I've been thinking about mothers this week, and I was thinking about my grandmother, and I want to start with a story about Grandmother Stewart. I remember when I was younger, um, she was going into surgery for uh, a cancer-related uh, operation, and I was with her at the time when she was about to go in, and what she did before she went into surgery stuck with me because she was reciting the 23rd Psalm out loud before they wheeled her out of the room to go into surgery. And it impressed me because A, she had the whole thing memorized. And secondly, just the calm and peace that it brought to her. You, and like I could just see it on her face as she went off to the unknown of what was gonna happen. And that is a, one of these passages of scripture that whenever they do surveys about what is a favorite passage of scripture, it's always a contender. And I'm convinced that it's one of these passages that if we take it on board, it will really affect us and change us. There is a reason why people put it at the top of the list. There's a reason why Grandmother Stewart recited it before going into surgery, because it has such a powerful effect. And I wanna talk about it this morning. And my conviction is you can either listen to this sermon and think this is mildly interesting, or you can do it and try it and it'll change you. It really is, I think, a great recipe for life. Um, and so I want to look at this. As we start looking at this passage, you know, the beginning place I want to start with this is just to think for a moment about the, the places in time in life when we are unsettled at the level of our souls, where we're restless. There's something missing and we're unhappy. There's, we, we wish we had this one thing, whatever it is. And I think this psalm starts out by addressing that straight up, um, although it may be a little more implicit than, than we might think about. It starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when it says I shall not want, I think it's saying, look, if, as, as God is our shepherd, it's, we're not gonna be overwhelmed by these desires for other things. And you know, we live in Dallas. I think maybe we're at least one of the capitals for materialism around. Um, so it's a relevant thing for us to think about. But the place where that comes from usually is when we start to compare. We want to compare with other people that they have or whatever's going on with this. And we, at these times when we get these um, attacks of the things you don't have, what do we do with that? And where do we go? And Psalm 23 starts out, I think, with the answer with that saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a call for us to look at God as our shepherd, to have trust and to have confidence in him and his provision, what he does. But you know, as we go there, there's a little bit of an uncomfortable step that goes before that, right? Because if you're gonna admit that God is our shepherd, maybe there's this moment where you gotta kinda at least think about, you're the sheep, we're the sheep. You know, because we don't like that, right? We'd rather, we'd rather see this painting or this image of this scene and think, well, we're, okay, maybe I can stretch, I'll be, I'll be the sheepdog. I still get to run around and be in control and move the sheep around. No, no, we're the sheep. And that's really, really humbling. You know, we would love it if we could turn to a passage where it says an analogy where we're the lion or the tiger or the bear or, some, or the racehorse or something else. We're sheep. 
in this thing. And, you know, I grew up in South Texas on a ranch and I raised sheep. And let me just tell you, they're dumb. <laughs> and they're dependent. And they're all kinds of things. You know, we had, my twin brother and I, we had this experience. I've told this story before, but we went out to West Texas when we were young and with, my, with our parents, we went, this is a little phase of life where my parents had a Winnebago. And we went out there and right after we got to this ranch we were staying at in West Texas, the rancher who owned it's driving us around and he came upon this place where um, the, the mother had died giving birth and there was this little lamb, coyotes hadn't gotten to it or anything yet and there it was and it was alive. And the rancher didn't talk to my dad, he turned to us and said, boys, y'all can have it if you bottle feed it. And we were like, yeah, we're in. So we took on this, uh, we took on raising this lamb. And I've said before, you wanna know how creative we are? We named that lamb Bah. <laughs> That's how creative we were. And we raised him, and talk about dumb, he, we, because we were bottle feeding him, he was raised in the house, and he thought he was a dog. <laughs> Completely thought he was a dog, and slept on the bed, you know, ran around the house, did all this stuff. But then there was that day that finally came when he, when the, he saw the poodle scratching on the window, and then he did it with his hooves. That, that didn't work out well. Then he went to the ranch. Um, but they're dumb and they're dependent and that's the analogy that's being made today. And so part of it is for us is a call. Jesus is saying, I wanna be your shepherd. I wanna be the one who guides you, who cares for you, who provides for you, who leads you, who's gonna direct you and all these other things. But part of that is us having confidence and the willingness to sort of accept that we are the sheep in this story, in this deal. And when I reread that first verse, I wonder if we're willing to look at it and think about just the possibility that that relationship of that verse works both ways because it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I wonder in those moments when we want, when we're getting restless in our souls because we're missing something, if we haven't made something else the shepherd. Friends, somebody else, somebody else's image, whatever it is, society, culture, something else other than God being the shepherd. There's something that we're missing in that way because, because we've, Maybe we've gotten disoriented in that. And so part of the question is, if we want to have rest in our souls, if we want to have a good recipe for life, to put our trust and our confidence in God as our shepherd and to hold on to him in that place and in that way. That's the first part of how this thing starts out. And I think it's a huge part for us, particularly, as I said, living in Dallas. The second thing that goes on from there is he said, you know, he leads us beside still waters and in green pastures. And we hear that, and I don't know that we always know how to receive that, you know, the green pastures. Like there are times when we live in North America in one of the richest countries in the world, and there are times when we're so busy worrying about other stuff, we don't just stop to say we're in a great place. And there are many blessings that everyone in this room has. Are we receiving them? Are we taking off our shoes and just walking in that green grass? Are we busy looking over, thinking it needs to be mowed? Are, are we busy looking at somebody else's grass, the old saying, the grass is greener? Are we looking at someone else's grass? I mean, it can rob us of all the joy and replenishment and all the things that God has for us. Whenever I start to t uh, tell that story, I always think about one of my friends who was a, a lawyer. He was a general, general counsel for this uh, privately owned company, and they'd done super well. They had uh, their own jet. It was one guy that owned the whole company, but he had his own jet. It was a citation. But his battle cry, when he would get all his leaders together, I'm sure this was super motivational for them. He would get them all in the room and he'd say, I want to be G5 rich. I want a Gulfstream, not a, not a Cessna citation. And it's like, dude, you got a citation, you know? 
can we stop and relax and just let your toes go into that green grass? Or are you a person on the other extreme maybe who's like, I don't deserve this. And you have guilt about whatever the blessings you have in the world. Just receive it. God blesses us. None of us deserve the things we have. None of us do. And just receive it and enjoy it. It's a great place that God says, I'm gonna lead you into green pastures and to still waters. And so that leads us to thinking about the still waters. You know, the, I think the sheep wanna drink deeply. They need a, a, a quiet place to drink, a still water to drink from. And I think God leads us to many, many places where we can have a deep drink of water for our souls. But do we do, we do it? You know, like I, I wonder what it would be like for you this week to just take two minutes every day and just pause and reflect for two minutes on how loved you are by God. To pause and think about what God has done for you. That he knows you by name, knows the hairs on your head, that he calls you. All these things, like just to receive that, to know you're the beloved, how that changes you. When I was in high school, I've told this story before, but when I was in high school, I, I would pray. I, was, I, was, I had a, a faith at the time and I, I had laminated a Psalm, Psalm eight, and put it on my shower wall. And if I did no other prayers that day, while I was trying to wake up, I would read Psalm 8 in the shower. And it's a great psalm because it talks about how God's made us and endowed us and made us a little lower than the angels and give us dominion and all these different kinds of things. And in fairness, it didn't say we were sheep. But it was, it was a great way to start the day thinking about how God loves us and what he's done for us and what, what he's doing, where we are in sort of the order of things. And it's a great thing to do at a time when your life is always changing in one way or the other. Stop and take a deep drink. God, I promise you, is leading you to some still waters that will replenish and refresh your soul. And then the, the passage goes on from there and he's, it says that he makes our, our path straight. He makes our path straight for his name's sake. And we think about this, about how God will make, he will guide us and lead us into places that where we'll find life and, and flourish in him on his paths. And there are all kinds of paths that we can take. We know this. You can take the path of least resistance. You can take the path of gain. You can take the path of popularity. You can take all these different paths, but he calls us to this place of righteousness, of knowing what he wants in your life, of guiding you in right directions in ways that will glorify him. But again, it goes back to our trust and our confidence and asking him, what do you want me to do? What's next? I know lots of people, that's their prayer. What's next, God? Whenever what's going on and, and to take that path. And when we don't do that, I think we eat up a lot of our energy in our souls going on the wrong path. I don't know if you've done that before, I have. I think about a couple years ago when I w went out to this great hiking place out in Lake Texoma. I was out there on my own and um, I planned the whole day. It was just, just me getting out, taking a deep drink. And I planned it, I packed my lunch, I did all this stuff. And I got out there late and I was hiking along the way, I hiked a long ways, ate lunch really late in the day. And this was in the winter, winter months. And I knew it was gonna get dark early. I stopped on this beautiful peninsula overlooking the lake and had lunch. And I looked at the watch, I was like, oh, I gotta get moving. It's gonna get dark. So I packed everything up, started heading out. And I'm like kind of moving pretty fast because I'm thinking it's gonna get dark. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And finally, there's this moment where I come back around and I see the peninsula where I had lunch. And I was like, oh, if I entered the twilight zone, 
or what's happening, you know? So I, then I started to like really look at the watch and like, I'm going to be in the dark. And luckily I'd thrown in a lamp, but I spent the re- like the next, I don't know how many hours trying to get out of there and realized later it was a loop. And if you miss the little thing out of the top, you're going back around. And that's what I had done. So um, I got out dark, but I thought how tired I was, how exhausted I was. That's what happens when we walk a long time down the wrong path. It eats up the energy of our souls and leaves us, I think, exhausted as we go after chasing other things that aren't what God's, what God's best is for us, the things that are gonna fulfill us and strengthen us. And then the psalm continues with what I think maybe the reason why my grandmother in particular was reciting it that day um, because it, ta- it leads to the part about talking about entering into the valley of the shadow of death. And if you wanna look at that passage, I wanna read how it starts. Um, because it starts out by saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It starts out by saying, even though. It doesn't say even if I walk through the valley. And I think the beginning place of this sort of recipe for life and the acknowledgement in Psalm 23, it's not even if, it's, it's you're gonna walk through, you're gonna walk through chapters of life where you're gonna encounter the brokenness and the evil of the world. Everyone in this room is gonna go through that. So it's not if, it's when. It's even though. And the thing about it is when we do that, what God is saying is I'm gonna be with you. Whatever it is, I'm gonna be with you. There's not gonna be a time when I'm not gonna be there. And it changes how we live. I heard a story uh, told by John Ortberg where he talks about um, that he's a surfer. And he went out this one day on a weekday because he had the day off and he went out to the beach to surf and there was nobody there. He said he went out on the beach. It was empty except for one guy who was out on the beach doing, practicing martial arts. And he got his surfboard and he went out into the, to the waves and he's, he's out there waiting on a wave. And about that time, this little boy comes up on a surfboard next to him and they start talking. He says, hey, you know, what's your name? And this little kid's name was Shane. And he said, and they started talking and he says, you know, what, how long have you been surfing? And the kid says, well, I've been surfing seven years. And Ortberg asks him, well, how old are you? And he says, well, I'm eight. <laughs> he's like, the kid could have surfed on a, on a Frisbee. But he's like, he's, he's like, he owns the place. And he eventually he's talking, he says, and how did you get here? And he said, well, I came with my dad. And he says, and he, by that time he waves to the guy doing the martial arts on the beach. And he says at that moment, he realized the reason he had so much confidence and he was so comfortable and secure because his dad was on the beach watching everything he did as he practiced his martial arts. That's the same way it is with us of knowing that wherever you go, however dark that valley is, that God's walking it with you, that he will never leave you, that he's always gonna walk it with you. And it, it, says, it says in the Psalm, it brings us comfort. It brings us comfort with his rod and his staff. And the rod was something to protect you, was something to do protection from evil. And the staff was something to correct with. And I think we experience both of those, right? We experience God's protection in these hardest moments. And we also experience the guilt and the things where God is always saying, I'm gonna bring you to a path that will bring flourish, will help you flourish in life. He's correcting us and bringing us that way. And I know there are people in this room right now that are going through valleys right now. And to just know that God's with you. Don't ever forget it. Always know that he's with you and he's walking with you. And the more we can be aware of it, the more we experience the protection of his rod and the correction of his staff 
um, the better things will be and the better that we'll feel in knowing as we walk through that valley. Um, I want to hit just two other things that are in this passage. Um, The next one is how it talks about um, God's cup. Because, you know, as as we think about this, there's a passage that says, you prepare a place for me at the table before my enemies, my cup overflows. We can look at cups as being half empty or half full, as they say. This one is saying the whole thing is overflowing. And it's a call for us to think about all the things that we experience in life and the blessings and make a choice to see those things and to give thanks to God for those things. And, and there are so many. Like in morning prayer, there's this one prayer where we talk about how we give thanks to God for our, our our preservation, and above all, for basically for salvation, for the grace that God pours on us. There's so much to be grateful for. We did a whole sermon series a couple years ago about how it changes you to live life from a place of gratitude. And Psalm 23 takes us there, I think, at this part, by calling to think about how your cup overflows. And then the final uh, part of this passage is it, it turns to think about how the rest of my days are gonna be blessed. You know, it, how it talks about all of the different ways in which um, we're gonna experience God's goodness. It says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's like God will be with you always, not just like five days a week, he takes the weekends off, all the days of my life, every single day of your life, God's goodness will be with you every single day. And then ultimately it talks about eternity. So the final, the final piece of the 23rd Psalm is I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we know what it is to have God as our shepherd, he leads us ultimately to his house forever, to the goodness and the blessings that he brings forever. I hope that you will took comfort in these words. And, and more than that, I hope you find rest in your souls on this day from all of this. And I'm gonna invite you to reflect on it again when we get to our offertory hymn today because Justin and the band are gonna do a, a setting of the 23rd Psalm. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you uh, for loving us and for, for calling us. Lord, help us to know with confidence and trust that you're our shepherd. To submit to you and receive your blessings, the green grass, the still waters, Help us to look to you for guidance as we seek your paths of righteousness. Help us, Lord, as we surely will face hard times and evil to know your comfort, your presence, your protection. And Lord, help us to see the good and give you thanks for all the, with gratitude all the blessings that we have in this world and to always know your goodness and the eternal perspective of your call in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.